0: he was expected to kill himself rather than be taken alive if ever caught taking any secrets with him to the grave he knew if caught alive he would be tortured and hanged for spying the confederacy's signal corps was devoted primarily to communications and intercepts but it also included a covert agency called the confederate secret service bureau which ran espionage and counter-espionage. Normally, the southern spies and scouts reported directly to the commanders of armies in the field. They provided details on troop movements and strengths. The distinction between spies and scouts was one that had life-or-death consequences. If a suspect was seized while in disguise and not in his army's uniform, The sentence was hanging. When Travis was captured by a Union patrol, he was dressed in cotton riding breeches, a homespun cotton shirt, and wearing a pair of Union cavalry boots. He wondered now, as the wagon rumbled and bounced, if he would ever see home again. Home was a small farm on the edge of Colonel Morgan's Tupelo Acres plantation, north of Jackson, in Mississippi. He left with the colonel in 61 with a company-sized troop of local gentry, townsmen, and sharecroppers. They were off to win the war and be home in time for spring planting. That was over four years ago, and he wondered if his wife and daughter were still there or even alive. He was hungry. His stomach was empty. All he'd been given since crossing the Georgia line into Alabama was a cup of water in the morning and one at night. The small contingent of half a dozen Union cavalrymen leading the way was followed up by the wagon drawn by two mules, a skinner, and an armed soldier riding shotgun. They were bound for Jackson, Mississippi, where Travis was to be hung. He had been accused of spying while posing as a civilian during the war and was sentenced to death. The charges were true, albeit after the fact, the war had ended with the capture of Jeff Davis in early May. But the North was out for revenge and was determined to break the South so it would never rise again. His trial in Atlanta was over by noon of the first day. He was sentenced to 30 lashes and then to be transported to Jackson, where he would be hung in public as a show of retribution for the deaths of Union soldiers caused by his espionage efforts in the war. He let his mind focus on the floorboards of the wagon, ignoring the heat and endless swaying. He shook his head listlessly when a fly landed on the corner of his eye, looking for a dab of moisture to wet its beak. The wagon was filled with boxes of rations, camp gear, cloth sacks of oats for the mules, Sacks of mail, and a large wooden barrel filled with water that sloshed, driving Travis mad with thirst. The shotgun rider forced him to sit on the lockbox, filled with gold coins destined for the Army paymaster in Birmingham, facing to the rear with his broad back to the wagon seat. The burly guard had made a cat o' nine tails by unbraiding a length of rope and dipping the ends into his spit cup and every few minutes he would turn and flick it at Travis, popping it across his back. "'I'll dust you up, boy. You try anything funny,' he said, and then laughed. "'Leave the man alone, Kenny. He ain't running nowhere,' the old Skinner said. Travis turned to the guard and pursed his lips to spit. "'At that moment—' The guard's chest exploded in a shower of bloody mist. The next second, the Skinner grabbed his head as it seemed to fly apart. Then he fell off the wagon into the road. The mule spooked and danced in fear, pulling the wagon in jerky movements. Travis stretched out on the wagon floor behind the seat and watched as volleys of fire poured out of a dense stand of black gum trees into the six riders. Two of the riders were down. A third was being dragged at full gallop, his foot caught in the stirrup. Suddenly, the attack.